Bring it in, read option pod back after an eventful week 14 down to our last four weeks of the regular season, uh, which doesn't you stop that doesn't feel real, but it's going to be a really epic four weeks. And then we have playoffs and we got bowl season coming up. We still got football. We still got lots of football, meaningful football. And uh, I think. What's cool about this season for as all over the place as it felt, right? We've talked about the parody and how awesome it all is. I think we're going to have a really awesome playoff set because at this point, we kind of know who's in. There's a few teams that are kind of, we still don't know like the last couple spots, but the top teams, we knew who they are and it's going to be set up for a good, uh, good playoff run. So I'm excited. The whole crew's back, Scotty, Vito, everybody. How was everybody's weekend? Uh, Vito, you're in Cleveland right now. Uh, and Scotty, uh, Scotty's hanging out there in, in Virginia. So how is everybody? Good, man. Had a sick wedding this weekend. Uh, shout out to Danny and Emily down there in Florida getting married and uh, had a had a crazy, uh, like you said, it was kind of a crazy weekend. What I do love, I'll say this, um, American has red zone just for free for anyone flying. Most airlines, really? like but that's a part of their thing is they have it for free. Oh, that's it's awesome. the TV red zone though, which I didn't know I had such an oh, issue. Oh, Siciliano. There. So I don't like him, him, bro. I don't like his voice and like his cadence. I just don't think he's. It has to be it. Scott Hansen. Yeah, it does, man. Scott. So, Scotty, I'm loyal to you if you're out there, friend of the pod, friend of the fantasy t of the fantasy league we're in. And uh, God, man, it was difficult to watch it all. But directed by Directv was not as good. Don't know why they do it. Just mm. put Scotty on it too. I do want to give our Scott a shout out for his Scott Hansen impression. Because so Scotty does recap videos uh, and we've told the story of the birth of this pod and how it started with our, our, our like fantasy football pod that we did for our fantasy league. where We broke down each of the matchups and then we talked football in between and then that kind of created this pod. Uh, and Scotty would always do his like fastest two minutes, Chris Berman kind of impression. But he broke out the Scott Hansen impression in the last recaps and it was a one like I, I walked away being like, shit that was actually really like you nailed the cadence and everything yeah, yeah you did a really good job did you how much uh prep did it take you to get that uh it was one take believe one it take. or not yeah well, no practice like you didn't practice the voice it's just, it just in my head i didn't i didn't like practice it i just kind of because if anyone listens to my recaps and some of you who are listening do i already kind of have that sort of voice going as i'm yeah. doing the recaps and it was just a minor little tweak that i did to be like <laughs> just not mathematically eliminated yet <laughs> yeah yeah it's just the inflections were good you're definitely yeah. your biggest Eddie in six and seven needing a win dj lost week 11 needs a win in week 12 yeah Martz <laughs> wins in week 11 and loses in week 12 <laughs> it's it's honestly really impressive like i walked away being like shit that was actually really good yeah it was no. uh, those are fun man yeah well and you're right like your influences it's like a band like your influences when you do your play-by-play are like chris berman scott hansen uh and i'm trying to think of someone else maybe maybe a little svp in there but uh but no it's good a little what, svp yeah what what, what, a, what a combo that would be uh but no we got a bunch of good stuff we still haven't talked i mean obviously we're still in prime football season um we are also like a quarter of the way, a little bit past through the NBA season. We haven't talked any basketball here. Uh, I'm hoping I'm coming up on a, to. 
I'm hoping that we'll have, uh, cause I have a couple of weeks off around the holidays. Uh, I'm going to crack down. I've been following what I can, but I'm going to put together an NBA pod, uh, to put out in between probably a Wednesday, uh, or a Thursday just to get some NBA content out there. Um, I am following along, but the NFL season has been really, really great. So, uh, want to keep going. Uh, I do want to hit on before we get to the Sunday games. Can we talk a little bit about Thursday night? Cause we didn't get a chance to last week. Um, and Baker Mayfield, once I was so close to finally like putting my, my love and like my gut feeling that I still believe in Baker away, you know, he's like, like Rosillo was always this way with Jeff green in the NBA where he's always like, I don't know what it is. He's like, I just can't quit Jeff green. Like, I just still think Jeff green's going to be amazing. That's kind of my Baker Mayfield where it's just like, I don't, I don't know what it is. I just can't seem to quit him. And then on two days of practice, uh, in a completely new team, completely different side of the country, uh, comes out and orchestrates a 98-yard touchdown drive uh, in less than a minute. And it was honestly so ridiculously impressive um, that I'm all the way back in on Baker again. Trade the Matthew Stafford contract and keep keep Baker Mayfield as your quarterback, which is oh, honestly wow. way Pump too much of an overreaction. But <laughs> It still was an epic. It was an epic game. And uh, shout out to Baker Mayfield for obviously dude's been going through some times in the last year, but uh, that must've been an awesome win for him. I mean, it's purely based on just like not arm talent alone. Obviously it's intellectual, but it's being familiar enough with like offenses and just think about that. Like even the timing, like think about when you throw with your buddies and then you're like, Oh wait, I'm overthrowing. Like just to get used to it, whatever. Um, the fact that he was making some of those sideline throws, like deeper throws down the side. I was like, just the fact that he take those shots, let alone they were accurate. They weren't just wildly overthrown, which you, you guess would be the case when you're just trying to like keep the ball safe. But man, that was, ex- that was so cool. I was, I was traveling Thursday down to Florida. Um, I couldn't be on the pod even, but like by the time I got there, they were already like Baker's starting. I was like, Oh, okay. You know, and then, and then, cause you kind of thought maybe it was going to happen depending on, on how the warmups went, but then, Man, just as that game went on, it was like, oh my God, Baker's Baker's putting them in a chance to win. That Baker could be a good fit for the Rams for the rest yeah. of the year. Well, yeah, and for me, dude, it's like the it it's like the the swagger of it all. The reason people don't like him is because he he swaggers around with this bravado and and this look how good I am and and everybody's counting me out and look how good I can be in 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 clutch moments and this was the epitome of that to me it was just like a classic baker game where uh everybody's counted him out over the past couple of years and he he slides in in this situation which which you guys have talked about uh two steps off a plane two days of practice and boom uh let's go get him boys um and and that that is just incredible to be able to do that uh for him and i you know for my sake, I mean, the Rams are kind of out of it, but I hope it doesn't really continue. But just on <laughs> the, the just on like the, just on like the terminology side of it alone, like because different offenses have they obviously the concepts are the same, but it's like learning a new language. Like they're all named completely different. Like you might change a company and they'll have different names for different like functions of their company. And it'll take you a couple of weeks at minimum, if not longer to get comfortable with it. Right. You had two days and he's playing on national TV. He actually didn't play the first series. 
And then they swapped out and put him in after that. And he was just like, fuck it. Let's just go out and sling it and see what happens. And for the most part, this game sucked. Like this game was not super entertaining. Neither team. So did both teams. So yes. And neither team played particularly well, but, and, and to be fair too, like there were two huge penalty calls on that final drive that helped it. But the, the touchdown throw was huge. The throw he put onto uh, Skoranek, the uh, the wide receiver there, unbelievable catch by him, unbelievable throw by Baker in double coverage. And the dude went up and made an amazing play. And at the end of the day, like, he came up so big. But you're right, Scotty. Like, that's what it is with Baker. It's like I saw I watched him enough in college, and then I watched him enough in those weird games when he was – you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the game that he, he had his first win with Cleveland – on Thursday night when they beat the Jets. And it was a similar thing. It came down to the end of the game and, and Baker just made a couple of throws and made a couple of plays that got them there. There is definitely a backyard football element to Baker that is awesome. Yeah. Um and, and that's it's what some still- of this was. Like the go route, the go route, like jump ball to um to Van Jefferson, like that's something that he just looked and if you watch the replay of it, he looked at him and he gave him the the, the kind of gun signal to say, hey, we're going for it, which isn't a play call. That's just Baker stepping up and, and making a call, a throw he's comfortable doing in a big spot. And he yeah. came up big. So it was it's it backyard. Was awesome. It's it's where you're drawing plays on your hands. On your hand, it's like, yeah. all right, you go, you run the post, you run go, and we'll figure it out. Somebody yeah. get open. <laughs> exactly. Uh and, and Baker is is fucking awesome at that. So um, and the Raiders were the first of those five and seven teams coming into this week where we're like, well. If they win out, if things break for them, like this could be a team that snakes into the playoffs and at five and eight, um, them, the Browns were another one of them in the AFC. Uh, it, it seems as though the uh, the Jags are now five and eight. They're actually in contention. The Steelers was the other one who were five and seven going into this week. All three of them in the AFC lost, uh, but the Detroit Lions found a way to win. So we'll get to that game here uh, in a little bit, but let's move on to Sunday. Um, I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts because to me, like I – we can start with the Lions because I do think that that was the most interesting game um, for a lot of different reasons, right? It was a it was a game coming in that we all kind of joked that the line there minus two um, or two or was it minus two? two yeah, it was half. minus two um, at home against a ten and two Minnesota Vikings team, and this felt like look if the Vikings luck runs out at some point, right? In some of these games, like it, this seems like a good spot to do it. And despite Justin Jefferson having 200 yards of offense, despite Kirk Cousins looking like one one o'clock Kirk Cousins, meaning he played well, Dalvin Cook playing well, the offensive line playing well, they were able to move the ball successfully. They still couldn't get the job done against the Lions team that's playing really well. And defensively, the Vikings are a mess. So I think this is the, this was the other shoe almost that we've been waiting for with the Vikings, where like they got blown out by the Eagles week two right it's week two they went on that crazy stretch until they played the cowboys we're all sitting there going oh the vikings they're 10 and two you know or at least 10 and one at that point gotta respect them or seven and one whatever they were when they played the cowboys gotta respect them the only loss the the undefeated eagles that's all they ever lost to they're really good then they get blown out by 40 and you go okay 40 to nothing they lose to the cowboys this team can't be that good everyone's pointing out the point differential everyone's pointing out the errors right and yet they still found ways to win fucking games. And this was like the validation that everyone who watches football and cares about as much as we do go, this is the Vikings. But we saw today, this is who the Vikings are. They're a team that can put up points, that can move the ball, but defensively they are a bottom 
seven or eight team defensively in the NFL. And it felt like validation for everyone who's been pointing this out about the Vikings. Yeah. And playing another top bottom five defensive team in the Detroit Lions overall. Uh, but to me, this is just the, a testament to the, how good the Lions actually are uh, more than it is the, the Vikings being bad. Um, I still think the Vikings are fraudulent. Uh, one of the more fraudulent teams in the NFL. You pointed out the, the loss to the Cowboys. Talk about another fraudulent team in the NFL. Uh, but I, I, I think the Vikings are doing this on offense. They're staying healthy, uh, as I pointed out last week. But that can only get you so far, right? We just saw it against the bottom five defense. They're able to put up 23 points and move the ball. Kirk Cousins has his highest passing rate uh, on the season, his highest passing total on the season with 425 yards. They're only able to run the ball 15 times for for 23 with Dalvin Cook, and that's a problem. But again, the offense can only do so much, and they, they were balling out. Uh, couldn't put enough points on the board, but they were balling out. And, and I mean, what the Lions are doing on both sides of the ball, uh, despite the fact that they're statistically a bottom five defense, but to, to be able to do what they're doing on offense and, by the way, get a, another huge weapon back, uh, in, in Jamison Williams, who caught a long touchdown pass, is huge. It's huge, and, and it's it's it goes back to what we've been saying the last couple of weeks. It's coaching, uh, and it's it's having the guys have continuity on the offensive line and and other units, and it's being able to believe in yourself, like Dan Campbell said during uh, during Hard Knocks. So credit to them, and they're they're firmly in the mix. The Lions are. I think what's cool about it is, again, the Lions have been a sneakily good offense this whole season, uh, points per game-wise. You know, they, they've been up there. Um, one thing about the Vikings and, and what I loved about the way that um, the Lions won, but the thing that even is, is kind of misconstrued about the Vikings' offensive performance is, yeah, like Kirk Cousins had 400 yards and all this stuff, but they couldn't get the run game going. And, you know, without that, you saw the, the Lions played really good defense and they ran the ball well. And uh, – like we always said, we, we like the makeup of the Lions. This feels like a vindication for, like Jeff was saying earlier, football fans being like, no, you run the ball hard, you play good defense, you force them to beat you, and you can even have your stud yeah. wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, have over 220 yards, and we're still going to beat you because we know how to win a proper football game. We're going to run the ball and play good run defense. And at the end of the year, that's where it comes down to, even for a dome team like, like the Lions. So, pretty excited about this win for them. And yeah, like you said, they're six and seven now, man, they're, they're still an outside chance, but um, at least at the end of the day, you know, earlier in the season, we were worried about Dan Campbell losing his job and we all really liked him, especially after hard knocks. I'm glad that clearly, I think he's the guy for this, this team and this organization. And that's just really yeah. nice to see him having success like this. And they've ripped off what five of the last six. Is that correct? Five out of the last six. The only loss that they had was the Thanksgiving loss to the Bills that they should have won. They should have won that game, you know? (laughs) Uh, And I'll say this too. So, like, Scotty, you you said you think it's more about the Lions looking better and and kind of about where the Lions are. I think both are true. Like, I think it's a Mm. situation where, you know, both things can can be true. Like, I look at the, the Vikings and see this is a pretty good football team. The offense can beat you at any moment, right? Like, I think the Vikings are very similar to the, the, the Dolphins, right? There's a ton of explosive talent. The offense is, has been consistently good. 
Kirk Cousins wasn't the reason they lost that game. Now, look, would you expect 23 more points or more than 23 points? Absolutely. But the Lions defensively have also gotten significantly better throughout the year. Their, their numbers are heavily weighted by the first four weeks of the season when they were giving up a ton of points, uh, but they were also scoring a ton of points. But to me, the, the Vikings are still going to be a, a tough team to beat because they do have um, such an X factor and a guy like Justin Jefferson who can beat you and, and can, can take single-handedly take over a game. I don't know if they're going to be able to overcome their defense. I, I do think the defense is a problem, but the offense can be explosive. They are more, it, it, even if they just had moderate luck, because they're every year, I forget what it's called, but there's that stat. Um, there's a Twitter account to it too, where if you reverse all of, the one score games, what would, you know, what would those standings look like? And <laughs> Vito. <laughs> yeah. Broncos. Right. I mean, the, the, Bronco, the Broncos <laughs> are one of the teams that would be really, really good. But what's crazy is going into this week, the Vikings would have been two and 10. That's right? wild. So that says a lot about sometimes good Lord. the luck that comes in. Now you earn a lot of that luck. So give them the benefit of the doubt that it's not always a 50, 50 coin toss. There's a lot more that goes into it, but I look at the Vikings and say, yeah, eight and four, you know, nine and five, kind of like that kind of area where they are right now. Like that seems about right for where this Vikings team is, but they got to where they are. They're still going to have home field advantage until the NFC championship game, and they're going to win their division. But I, I do agree. The, the Lions need a ton of credit for this. And I think most people are waking up on Monday morning going, damn, this Lions team is good. And what I loved about yesterday was it wasn't, they actually won it offensively differently than they've done it most of the year, which is through their running game. Um, and all that too, like Jared Goff's having a really good year. Yeah. Like statistically. Quietly. Yeah. Jared Goff is like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now. Statistically. Uh, he's, his numbers are better than Kirk cousins. His numbers are better than Brady. Um, he, he's playing really good. Like, uh, and, and that's a credit to, and I love that you brought up Jameson Williams too, because that was a sneaky under the radar thing. Um, for his first catch in the NFL to be a, a 50s plus yard bomb, 41 um, yard touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fucking awesome. And I, and I just love that for him, especially yeah. given what happened last year um, in the uh, college football playoff and not getting yeah. a chance to go. Do you have a, I have a question for you guys about the Vikings. Do you think that this is a, a script now for, for other teams to follow? If you have a, a good enough offense to exploit the Vikings defense and then just stuff them in the run game, because that's how they get going on offense, the Vikings. Do you think that's a script enough to, to beat them down? I don't know if there's a script. I think what you have to do is you obviously have to key on Justin Jefferson, and he has to be your number one, your number one point of concern. Um, pressuring Kirk Cousins is a big thing, too. Kirk has statistically, like, the two really bad games he's played this year were against Philly and against Dallas, and both of those defensive lines pressured the hell out of him in those two games. Um, so I think the more you do that and yeah, if you can stop the run against anybody, you can, but uh, the, the Lions sold out on the run as opposed to Justin Jefferson, but they at least protected the end zone from Jefferson minus that one play, which definitely was a touchdown and Justin Jefferson got screwed on that. I don't know why uh, Kevin O'Connell didn't challenge that at the time, but um, I don't know if it's a, a blueprint, but I just think you have to be able to score. I think what I, what I kind of like though, is it's almost like the opposite of what you're saying, Jeff. It's almost like let Justin Jefferson get his and just don't let anyone else. Like that's, not let that's him get what I'm his. thinking. 
Well, I'm I'm saying that like well, you know he's going to get like seven or better and over a hundred yards. So like it's it's just amazing if you were to say to me Justin Jefferson got over two hundred yards, like did they win? Usually you'd say yes, but the fact is that like they didn't. I, I don't I don't think I, Scotty. I don't think this gives a blueprint. I think what this says is there are multiple ways to beat a team, and you have to almost play to your team's strengths too. Like I think sometimes teams get a little too into replicating what other teams' weaknesses are. The Sun Tzu are the war, right? Take an opponent's strength and turn them into weaknesses. And like, you have to, you have to figure out a way to, um, you know, and uh, like for instance, the Vikings do have a good. They, they run the ball well and good to play action. But like, let's just stuff the run, start there, and see how that works. And they were able to have success because their defense is suited to stop the run. Like the Lions have a good defensive line. Lions have good linebackers, and uh, I, I think sometimes teams get a little too interested in saying that their team can do everything and we're just going to focus on the other team's weaknesses. And sometimes it's like, no, let's just figure out what we're good at and keep playing our game. Um, Bill Belichick really did a great job of that. I think too many teams this way rather than just sticking with what they have. Yeah. I, I would also add to um, red zone defense, I think is big against Minnesota. Um, keeping them, keeping them to a 20 to 20 team, force them to kick field goals. Uh, I mean, and again, these are blueprints that work in the NFL in general, right? Like we could say that about it, pretty much any team. If you can hold Kansas City to field goals, you're probably going to have a better chance to beat them too, right? Um, but there's a couple of big plays, right? The turnover on downs on their first possession um, for Minnesota was big because Detroit turns around, gets the ball back, scores a touchdown, two plays, uh, and, and that changes the game completely. Um, holding them to a couple of three and outs, right? Don't let them give deep, especially that's becoming more and more of a trend. And obviously Dan Campbell actually kind of challenged this idea with the uh, fourth down, fourth and four from his own 39 fake punt that <laughs> luckily for him executed, right? Um, yeah. But I think more important in today's NFL because of how aggressive head coaches are getting, um, if, you're pa- if you're at the 50-yard line or more, there's a better than not chance that a head coach is going to go for it on fourth and short, right? You really need to, to three announce or, or the, you know, holding a team within five plays, six plays like that is more important in today's NFL. um, than I think, you know, not anything else defensively, but it sets your defense up for success, keeping defenses pinned back into their own end where they can't even get into situations where it's like, Hey, it's fourth and third, fourth and three but we're on our own you know 35 yard line we can't really go for that now and if you get to that 50 yard line the kevin o'connell's the doug peterson's and sirianis and all and mcveigh all these guys are like no we want to go for it the numbers tell us that we have a better chance to do it there so i think obviously the turnover battle's huge um and, and all of that going into it but keeping defenses or offenses pinned back into their own zone um and forcing them to not even really have a choice as to whether or not they want to go for it. But I also show, I think it shows too, that like Dan Campbell had to stay really aggressive in this game. Um, the, the fourth down play, the pass to Penny Sewell, which I can't believe it took this long to talk about yeah. <laughs> um, sending an offensive lineman in motion um, is, I think that's the first time that's ever happened in, in well, terms of like a wider, an eligible wide yeah. receiver. Like usually they're emotionally blow someone up and we're all talking about how poor cornerback who just got laid out by Penny Sewell. Or he goes out there like the power. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like and he, he was set up in the slot too. Like sometimes you'll see them shift like 
they'll have an extra offensive lineman in and a tight end and you'll see them shift sides to to adjust to whatever side the defense is overloading to but um or to try to set them off but like to have them running in motion like that and then wide open i mean that was amazing um so i think the vikings are still really good like i I don't think they're like a middle of the pack team like they scare me like the dolphins scare me because they still have tyreek hill and they still have jalen waddle they still have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook, but I say bring them on in the playoffs. I'd love to play them. They're not would, getting anything against I'll the Niners what, pass rush. I would rather play them than in the NFC playoffs than the next team that we're going to talk about, which is the Dallas Cowboys, who uh, barely, barely snuck out a win here against Houston. Um, <laughs> and we can just jump right into it. What the hell is Lovey Smith doing? Um, you have Jeff, you're, you're all, you're basically running like a early two thousands, Michigan offense with Tom Brady and Drew Hansen going back and forth, but you're using, you know, uh, circa like Driscoll. three years ago, even with Harbaugh where That's he would true. just play three different quarterbacks. That's true. <laughs> or, but now it's, it's Jeff Driscoll and, uh, Davis mills, um, fourth and goal. I mean, after DeMarcus Lawrence blew that play up and now it's fourth and goal from the three, as opposed to fourth and goal in the one Devin Singletary makes that pick. It should be game over, right? You should be able to punch the ball into the end zone at that point. Okay, you don't. But you know what you do? You kick the fucking field goal. You kick the fucking field goal. You go up six, and you kick the ball back, and you let your defense, who's been playing good, for because that the, the psychological – this was all psychological to me, right? And, and I also, on one hand, I do respect the idea. You score a touchdown there, it's game over. You win the game, right? You have a chance yeah. there, one down, to win the game. But that's it's not like a two point conversion play where it's like, oh, we can play for overtime or whatever. It's like, no, we can win this right now from the two yard line. We can make this work. This is there's a minute and a half on the clock left and you have gotten lucky to get to this point. You go up six. You're forcing them to score a touchdown after kicking the ball off. That is significantly more psychologically hard for a team to do than after they make a huge stop on fourth down, get the ball, even if it is at their own two. But the momentum switch was so palpable in in Arlington this in this game. I, I couldn't believe he didn't kick the field goal. I thought it was a huge mistake. But this also goes to what a lot of people say when they're talking about you know, uh, the, the modern analytical NFL where they're like, oh, well, we shit on coaches when they try to do it and it doesn't work and we praise them for when it does. I do think there's more nuance to that. And I do think this was a situation that you play to go up the touchdown and you trust your defense to go out there and make a play because you've been playing well all day. Um, and I thought it was a huge mistake. And I thought the momentum swing was the biggest aspect of this that really fucked over the Texans. Um, but the Cowboys come away with a win and the Cowboys, I know they didn't play well yesterday, but they still scare me more than pretty much any other team minus maybe the Niners, um, in the NFC as an Eagles fan, at least. I totally agree with you, Jeff. I mean, they just have, they have the weapons on the defensive side and the offensive side. The line is, is playing well enough. McGovern had a great day. Both Zeke and Pollard seem to be running well. This is going to be, this is a good formula for them going into the playoffs. Um, that was an ugly game. Like the Texans being up at halftime was sick. We were all thinking the same thing. Like this would be amazing. Uh, this would be so fun to watch Dallas lose. Meanwhile, at the same time, spoiler alert, the Eagles were blowing out uh, the, the Giants. So and just for a divisional standpoint, everyone was just like, oh man, this is crazy. But uh, they squeak it out. They get the win. Um, and 
you know, it could have been a big story, but at the end of the day, it's not, it's all about what, what happens at the end of the game and, and what the scoreboard says then. And they, they won. It's not as sexy, but um, you know, they still end up scoring. So they got the dub. I'm just, I'm not sold. They play well against bad teams. And this week they ran into a team that was playing above its skill level in the Texans and found themselves down and managed to come back and win. But, you know, when you're playing good competition, when it's down the stretch here and, and into the postseason, it, it looks to me a lot like last year where everyone was like, oh, the Cowboys are scary. The Cowboys are scary. They get the Niners in the first round and they didn't, they played okay. And then they made a couple of mistakes down the stretch in that game against the Niners uh, in the playoffs last year. So it's eerily reminiscent to me. I do agree with you. I think they have the weapons uh, on offense and defense as well to be a, to be a really scary team to contend with, but it's just, it seems like more of the same to me. What I would say more is that this team feels, um, this team feels like a wild card team to me. And I don't mean like wild card in the sense of like the playoffs. I mean, like I have no idea what to expect out of Mm. them because for the first seven weeks of the season, um, it was Cooper rush. Right. And they were winning games and they simplified things. They were ground and pound and the defense was playing good. They've dropped the game to Philly, but they ended up only losing two or one game while Cooper rush being the quarterback. I think they I think he went five and one as the starter there before Dak came back against Chicago. And then since Dak came back, it was the 49 to 29 win against Chicago, which I don't think, I know it's a 20 point victory. That game was closer than that going into the fourth quarter. Then they lose to green Bay, which was a weird game. Then they house Minnesota by a million then they beat the Giants, which that game was closer than it looked for the first half and first three one quarters score of it. Too, yeah. Um, which the Giants scored a late touchdown to make it a one-score game. It was two, it was a two-touchdown game in the fourth quarter. Um, but the first half of that game, they were losing, right? Then they're uh down back and forth with Indy, and they have that massive explosion in the fourth quarter when all the turnovers that made it seem super lopsided. And then you have this game against Houston, where it's like, I I don't think they're playing that great but they seemingly are finding ways to put up big points when they need to. The defense can make plays all over the field. Um, I'm not a believer in Mike McCarthy. uh, And so far I'm not a believer in Dak because in the games Dak's played this year, he just hasn't been good. Um, The the blowouts and some of the numbers and whatnot, like this is statistically one of Dak's worst seasons so far, Um, but they're also running the ball better than they have since his rookie year when Zeke was, an absolute terror and and running through teams all over the place. So I don't know, like I, I sit here and I look at Dallas and I say they have the skill positions and they have the offensive line and they have the defense that scares you, but they've been so inconsistent that are we going to see the 40 to three Vikings or are we going to see the team that needed a miracle to somehow beat the Houston Texans, right? Or the team that was losing to the Colts on Monday night football, like uh, our Sunday night football. I, I, that's what scares me about them. Because any given week, you're going to get a different version of them. And I think that makes them really dangerous. And I think for because most teams had their starting quarterback for most of the season, right, you've figured out your identity. And we'll get to the Eagles in a little bit, but like the Eagles are playing better football now than they have all season after they had their little, you know, kind of dip there of a few games where they didn't look great. But that's because they've gone through the ups and downs throughout the season I don't know if this team knows what they are, right? Some games it's like, oh, we're going to run the ball a ton. Some games it's, hey, CeeDee Lamb's going to have 150 yards. 
And that inconsistency to me makes it so hard to figure out who this team is. And that's what scares me about them because if they do the things that they should, they are one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL, but you just have no idea. Yeah. And the other thing about them, uh, last thing I'll say is that I'm surprised at how good of a job Mike McCarthy's done coaching this team. Like they're not falling apart in ways that I, like they usually would lose this game. We'd all be like fire Mike McCarthy. But this season, compared to last and his, you know, few in Green Bay, I, I just need to give props there because I've been a big critic of his, and I actually think he's doing a good job this year. Just wait to the playoffs, man. It's coming. That's right. I want to. I want to even up now so I can dream <laughs> into him in the first round playoff loss. So. I mean, and if things stay the same, which is a good chance that they do, there if, if they would play uh, the winner of the a- NFC South, Tampa Bay might be Carolina, might be Atlanta. We still don't know. Uh, which they should win that game, and then it would be in Philly, more than likely, barring some sort of upset from the six or seven seed. It would be in Philly, uh, in in the in the divisional round. Which Mike McCarthy coaching a game in Philly would be uh, would be tough. Uh, it is worth noting the Cowboys did lose one of their starting offensive linemen, um, but I'll say this: there was one thing, um, and we can move on. This is already too much Cowboys talk for my liking. Um, Amen. Trevon Trayvon Diggs had that interception um, and after the game goes on to social media to, to make sure everybody knows that was his interception, blah, blah, blah. Um, there is a, an arrogance to this team um, and it doesn't seem like they're super locked in on winning, right? They're, they're winning games, um, but there's something about this team that, that does, doesn't quite sniff past the sniff test. Um, and if the Eagles go three and one and they lose to the Cowboys Eagles still get the one seed. If the Eagles go two and two in their last four games, uh, including a loss to Dallas, they lose the one seed. So there is still a chance that the Cowboys walk away right now with the one seed. If they lose this game, it's over. Um, But there does seem to be a, 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 this team doesn't seem to gel um, particularly well. And I'm curious to see how it looks. And part of that too, I think comes back to there's no real identity to this team. They don't, it's not, Hey, we run the ball. Hey, it's, we pass the ball. It's like, Hey, we can do a little bit of everything. And you're not really sure what we're going to do each week, uh, which means we might win by huge numbers, or it means that we're going to be in a close call against the uh, Houston Texans. Uh, All right, let's move on now. Let's talk um, a big AFC East game here. The bills and the jets. Uh, Mike white gets the absolute living shit kicked out of him in this game. Um, Multiple bruised and or broken ribs um that dude's a gamer i respect that dude man because the beating he took against the bills was impressive um the jets defense is really really good and at this point i look at the bills and i go i think this is just kind of who they are i think they're gonna be in a lot of close games right and i think they're gonna win the vast majority of them but I think they kind of just play a lot of teams close. They're not the team we saw, which is funny because the way the season started, they blow out the Rams by 30. Then they blow out the tech, the Titans by 30. And you're like, Oh shit, the bills are just going to run through everybody. Yeah. Well, and we were he, ready to, to put them in the AFC championship game, right? Then, we're to put them in the Super Bowl, weeks. man. Right. Yeah. Like, it was like, who the hell can touch the bills. And now it's like pretty much every week, the bills have been in these, you know, single digit type games, these contests. Um, and, and Josh Allen, He's he played himself out of the MVP race, um, but I also don't hold all of that against him necessarily because 
he's finding ways to win games and, and they're not going to be a fun team to play in the playoffs. Obviously they're probably going to be the one seed. Um, but shout out to the jets too. Cause I feel like the jets, um, I, I heard a, a report um, about what the jets expectations were going into this season, which was that they thought 2023 was going to be their year. Uh, and I think their year came earlier than they were expecting. Well, I still think 2023 is very much on the table. This is a very good team. Um, and look, they, what I'm really impressed by is how they've continued to, to uh, persevere through some of the bigger injuries they've had. They lose Brees Hall for the season. Uh, up comes Zonovan Knight. Ever heard of that guy? No. Well, yeah, right. guess what? He, he comes in and has two great weeks this week, 17 carries for 71 um, and a touchdown as well. And then on top of that, you know, you get the receiving core. Uh, Garrett Wilson is out there doing his thing. Uh, you still have Conklin, who's who's a, a decent enough threat at tight end, and who's Zama. Uh, you've got Michael Carter you can use out of the backfield. Denzel Mims is out there. Elijah Moore, who asked for a trade and <laughs> is somehow playing, uh, playing really well, too, down the stretch. I'm pretty sure that had something to do with the fact that uh, – of the quarterback switch, but you know, kudos to them. And, and like I said, the past couple of weeks, this is all, this is all just great coaching. I mean, Robert, what Robert Salas, the staff he's been able to assemble and, and the growth that he's had as a, as a coach over the, over the past year or two is, uh, is really, it's nice to see not only because he was on, uh, he was on my team uh, as the defensive coordinator, but, uh, but because it's, it's refreshing in the NFL to see, uh, you can go to a place like New York, which has been like the the doormat of the NFL for the most part, and just turn things around because you have the belief in your and you and your staff that you assemble that you can do so. And not only that, like I'm glad you brought that up because I think we're all rooting for him. It's nice to see a coach go out and win that like is defensive minded and this offensive minded style um, of, of hiring. I should say the trend of hiring. But what I also love is that you know he does it without the number two overall like player that they drafted playing, right? Like this is after you, you literally deactivate someone who's supposed to be your franchise QB and, and the team's responding. It's not like they, I don't know if you, if you were to tell me it's within an eight, I would have been like, Oh, Jets played well then. Right. Like they, they were supposed to lose to Buffalo. I, I know they don't feel out of the locker room, but my point is, is they're, they're definitely um, uh, Jeff's your original point exceeding expectations that all of us had for them, not only in their win total, but in the way they're in each game. And that's just exciting if you're a Jets fan, because it's been a while, I feel like, since you felt this way. Um, so props props to him. Yeah, it's probably going back to the Rex Ryan era, um, you know, for, yeah. for them, right? But, I mean, and plus, they beat the Bills already this year, right? They have that win against the Bills under their belt. Like, there's a couple yep. of games you look back and go, like, damn, the 10 to three loss against new England. Like that sucks, right? If Mike White's starting in that game, that's probably a win. Um, yeah. I don't think they win the game against the Bengals. I don't think they win the game against Baltimore earlier on the season, but um, the Minnesota game, they lose by five, right? And Mike White was there throwing a ball to Braxton Berrios with less than two minutes left. They hit some square in the hands on fourth down in the end zone and he drops it. And uh, I just, I, I think the, the final stretch here for the Jets has been tough. It's not impossible. They have the Lions. Like, I'm really excited to watch the Lions and Jets play this weekend. That's a sentence I, I did not think – I was not ready to say that sentence <laughs> in 2022, and yet here I am. And I, I think that game is going to be amazing, especially because both teams have a shot to make the playoffs, even yeah, if it's well, somewhat outside. 
Talk um, about some kneecaps getting bitten off. Good yeah, Lord. Right. I mean, they're going to um, be going at each other in that game. It's going to be awesome. I, I, I seriously, I think it's going to be, might be the best game of the entire week next week. Um, they have Jacksonville, they have Seattle and Miami to close out. Like those are all winnable games for the jets. Is it likely that they're going to win them all and, and sneak into the playoffs at what that would be what 11 and six at that point? No, but if they go three and one and they're 10 and seven, that's probably going to be enough to get them into the postseason. And what I love about Mike white and, and you brought this up too. It's not just the fact that they, that they made the switch. It's, the stones on Sala and the organization as a whole, right? Cause that's a Joe Douglas and Sala like combination decision. If we're, sure. if we're deactivating Zach Wilson, you're making that decision together as one cohesive front office team, you, you know, unit, um, which says a lot about the culture that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have built there in a place typically with the ownership and everything else has been a pretty dysfunctional organization for a long time. And I loved Joe Douglas. The one thing I always heard about him in Philly was that like when he goes to be a GM somewhere, he's going to be a stud. He was a huge part of the Eagles run in 2017. And we're already starting to see the seeds of that be built. But I also think Sala deserves a lot of credit for saying, Hey, we're doing this. We're doing this together. And we're going to give our chance to bet our team, the best chance to go out and win games yeah. and make and a postseason run. Yeah. I mean, and think about the injuries that they've already lost, right? If, if they don't lose Brees Hall, if they don't lose Elijah Barrett Tucker, this team's even better, but yet they're still finding ways to go out and claw. I think Robert Sala has a really um, good argument for being coach of the year. Uh, and, and, and I hope he gets votes and I think he'll probably end up being a finalist for it deservedly. So Um but man, for Mike White to get the beating that he had in this game, the, the locker room responded well to it. Um, you know, we all joked about how all of, you know, the Jets players were freaking out when Zach Wilson, all the Zach Wilson and his friend's mom and all that whole, all that whole story when all that came around, you know, like, oh man, his, his teammates much like, must like him. Once we got into the field, we learned pretty quick, like Zach Wilson's not the dude, um, and what the future holds for him as a number two overall pick, you know, a year and a half ago is, is going to be really fascinating to watch, but I, I'm pulling for this, for this Jets team. And uh, right now it's a huge weekend for the bills. Cause with the dolphins losing on Sunday night football, that gives them sole possession of first place uh, and a two game. Well, they've had sole position, but it gives them a two uh, game buffer against sole position of first place. So shout out to them. Uh, Let's stick in the AFC. Let's talk Browns and Bengals. The Bengals have won seven of eight. Joe Burrow, uh, third right now in odds for the MVP behind Patrick Mahomes at number two and Jalen Hurts at number one. Uh, and the Bengals are playing as good a football as anybody. And this was a big game for them. I picked the Browns to cover the spread. Uh, I thought the Bengals would win. But what's big about this game is, um, and big about the, the turnout here was this was the bugaboo. They hadn't beaten the Browns in two and two and a half years. It'd been the last five games uh, pre Joe yeah. Burrow was the last time that the Bengals had beaten the Browns. So to continue their hot streak, to, to do the faceless opponent kind of mentality that was Belichick and Peterson had that during the Eagles run um, to kind of have that and to not let any of the, uh, voodoo magic that sometimes happens in divisional rivalries get in the way and then to come out and deliver a thorough ass kicking against the Browns was uh, was really great and and the Bengals right now are playing as good as anybody in football I think so too I mean dude Joe Burrow 
Oh, what is that? What, what was the streak again? You started off with that. It was six, seven, seven, of, seven, seven of eight. eight. Dude, they have been on a tear, and it's because of – I mean, it's not only because of his play, right, because he's played pretty well, but, like, the defense is, is doing their part. But he's playing on the level. Again, like we thought last year – look at the Rams right now, right? I mean, I know they're without the quarterback, but being in a Super Bowl, usually the winner has a hangover, but the loser has a massive one. Think about, like, what Atlanta, when they lost, you know, that crazy game against – against new England when Tom came back against them, there, there are a lot of teams that kind of fall apart after losing the super bowl and the Bengals have really just done it the exact same way. They're getting hot right at the, at the perfect time. Burrow has been dominating. Uh, and this is exactly what you want when you're going into the playoffs. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen, but I can definitely see a case for him. Like depending on how these next four games go, there's, there's a quarter of the season left, like depending on how this goes, you know, he could be the MVP of this league. He's definitely, put himself in that conversation and he's doing all this at the right time. Yeah. Seven of eight and nine of the last 11 for the Bengals since week three. Uh, can you believe that they're nine and two since week three? Uh, and, uh, and they, they keep doing it. Like I, I always say every week in and week out with this team, Joe Mixon gone. No problem. Put in some Andre P Ryan does the same thing. If not better, Joe Mixon comes back. Ah, it's like, he never left. Same thing with Jamar chase. Ah, four weeks off. No big deal. 10 catches. Uh, 119 yards and a touchdown classic so yeah i mean that's that's the kind of thing and then again what impresses me the most with this team is the way that they're able to play on the defensive side of the ball and they look better to me on defense than they did last year uh, particularly in the secondary uh and, and on the defensive line so i yeah you talk about the scary teams uh that you don't want to 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 come up against when it's when it's getting on the stretch here and in playoff time uh, not only like the Eagles, Bills, Chiefs, Niners, the teams we've all thrown out. I think the Bengals are right up there, man. Uh, I don't want to play. <laughs> no. And, and what's crazy is they're coming down the wire and they have a week 18 game against Baltimore that might end up determining the division. But you look at those two teams and it's like, clearly Cincinnati's the better team. But Baltimore keeps finding ways to win games. I mean, they were playing, do you know Anthony Brown? is playing in the NFL, the Oregon quarterback from last year. I had no idea until yesterday. No. Uh, and he got into the game after Tyler Huntley got hurt in the game in the uh, Ravens game yesterday. So this yeah. Ravens team holding on by a thread, barely beating teams, has the same record, and because they beat Cincinnati early on, is currently the leader in the division. But Cincinnati might be the best team in the AFC right now. The Chiefs haven't looked great over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not going to discount them, right? Um Right. But also the Chiefs can be so good. They get up to a 27-0 start and they just kind of fuck around. All of a sudden the Broncos find themselves back into that game and Mahomes is like, oh shit, all right, I should probably start playing again. But this team plays cohesively. They play together. Um, we do have to give Zach Taylor shit. Um, I got duped by this. I don't know if you both saw this. Um, he took T. Higgins off the injury report on Friday. Um, T. Higgins played one snap and then took him off the field for the rest of the game. Um, don't know if that was some gamesmanship. Don't know if that was, uh, hey, get prepared yeah. for this, and then it's going to be something else. For the Browns? Um, like <laughs> yeah, but for whatever reason, that happened. I started T. Higgins in my fantasy uh, lineup this week, and that was a big fuck you. So fuck you to Zach Taylor. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love it. I still love Joe Burrow, uh, and I love this team. Joe Burrow, 3,600 yards, third in the league in passing yards, 27 touchdowns, nine picks. Um, the dude just finds ways to win games. Like, this is just what he does, right? Like, 
he is that Tebow magic, except Tebow's magic was all luck. Like what Burrow is, is like, this is special. He has a, a personality trait about him that is just uniquely special. Um, since they've changed the offense to give him more control in week four, uh, what was the record since week four again, Scotty? Nine and two? Uh, nine and two, yeah. Yeah. Since he got more control and more say in the offense at the line of scrimmage, magically they've become arguably the, one of the top three teams in football. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think Joe Burrow is that dude, and he's continuing to find ways to show it. Um, I just – I love – I fucking love this guy. Um, he also has almost 100 less uh, attempts than Justin Herbert, but has – 17 has seven no no this isn't like a one versus the other it's just <laughs> it's just if anything it's a criticism on the chargers offense and and joe lombardi and that dude's a moron but um right now 473 attempts for justin or for joe burrow 561 for justin herbert and joe burrow only has 17 less yards he has almost 100 less attempts but only has 15 less yards uh, averaging 7.8 <laughs> yards per attempt i mean he is playing off the charts, the only quarterback right now that is uh, graded higher than him uh, in a pass as a passer is Tua and Patrick Mahomes. Um, Joe Burrow is is on another level, and the fact that they're able to run the ball with Samaji Pirine, they're able to run the ball with um, uh, Joe Mixon when he's in the lineup. The offensive line is playing well. The only the only worry I really have right now is the secondary is always a bit of a concern with Cincinnati. But even in this game, when it push came to shove. Donovan Peoples Jones had a jump ball in the end zone. And I forget, I don't think it was Eli Apple. It's the other starting corner made a nice play with him at the end of the game on fourth down. Um, the other thing we have to bring up Trey Hendrickson got uh, broke his wrist in the game yesterday. Now defensive lineman, if you ever played the league football and there was a kid with a cast, you would always play at least one or two teams a year that they had just a giant club on their hand of padding and tape and a million things. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Trey Hendrickson playing because they have an important stretch here and they have Tampa yeah. Bay this week. They have Buffalo the week after that. Uh, and they have that big crucial week 18 game against Baltimore that uh, ultimately is going to help decide who wins this division. Uh, yeah. And, and what the, you know, cause look a home playoff game week one in the playoffs is a lot better than being a wild card team and potentially having to play Buffalo in week two of the postseason as the wild card, you know, five seed. For sure. You know what I love about Trey Hendrickson, too? What do you love about Trey Hendrickson? No gloves. Just bare knuckles, man. Going out there. and <laughs> No gloves. I'm going to wrap you up with my hands, and I don't need the sticky stuff on top of it to wrap you up, buddy. I'm going to take you down, bare knuckles and all. That's like Vita Vea is the same way. Like You see Vita <laughs> Vea, just the bowling ball of a human being that he is, and like he's got, everyone else has the pads and all the cool stuff. He's got nothing on his arms. No wristband, no tape, nothing, and just his just his bare hands and arms. And I'm like, you are my. He might be my, one of my favorite, like, top five favorite NFL player. I fucking love wow. him. That's awesome. I like him. Um, How do you all right, do? we got two more of the one o'clock window. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on these. We have uh, or three more actually. Uh, and let's let's talk about this one because uh, I'm an Eagles fan, so obviously we have to talk touch on it. Um, You're good. We get it. Next, Eagles uh, absolutely <laughs> destroy the New York giants, not even close. Like the final score was 26 points, 48 to 22, not even close uh, to what this game actually looked like. The Eagles dominating on both sides of the ball. Look at that. The grand Calcaterra Jersey, grand Calcaterra with a career day, 
Let me pull yeah. up his, he, his. They called him out on red zone. I heard his name out of Scott Hansen's mouth. It was incredible. Dude, he had a couple of key blocks uh, pulling across the entire back of the line, leading the way for both a huge Jalen Hurts run and then the Sanders touchdown at the end. He had a career day, man. I was going to say he had two. He was third on the team in receiving two catches for 24 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got he did have one drop. Got to say, do you got to point out that? Hey, look, we love you, Grant. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure you're going you're gonna to look at that on film this week and be like, shit, you know, got yeah. to catch He's those. his own biggest um, critic. Don't worry. Yeah, of course. No, but an amazing game. Amazing game for Grant. That was so fun to see. Career day. Um, career day. Yeah, but that was look, cool. The Eagles now three games in a row, their most points scored since the 19, in a three-game stretch since the 1940s. I believe 1941 was the last time they had this many points scored in three consecutive games, 40 points against the Packers, 35 against the Titans. Now 48. Um, this team is, is cooking at an unbelievable level. The defensive line. I was talking to my roommate who's an Eagles fan about this earlier. One of the things that was so special about that 17 run was the depth of the, their defensive line, right? Yeah. You, you had Brandon Graham, obviously, and you had Fletcher Cox and you had the rookie Derek Barnett and you had Chris Long, um, uh, you had Tim Jurgens and Vinnie Curry, and you're like, oh, they have a bunch of different guys here. You look at the Eagles' defensive line right now, and it's arguably twice as deep as that is, right? Like Jordan Davis is like you were worried about what the run defense would be like when Jordan Davis was off the field because he's only playing, you know, 25% of snaps. Well, the other 75% of snaps, you're mixing in the Namakan Sue, you're mixing in Linville Joseph, and they're able to rest them in these big blowout games. So they're going to be fresh and ready to go for the postseason. Uh, TJ Edwards is like the number two rated linebacker in all of football right now. I uh, love him. He's been playing outrageously good football. They're getting their second in the league in sacks. Um, I still, I still, I know Jonathan Gannon and I know I've ranted about him and look credit where credit's due. I've probably been overly critical. I'm still worried about him in big games. We have to see what it's going to look like when they play the Cowboys in a couple of weeks. Um, but the defense is humming and the offense is just it's absurd, man. Miles Sanders first. It's the it, what's crazy is first time since 2014 for all three of these, right? A thousand yard rushers first time since 2014. Shady McCoy now Miles Sanders first time for a thousand yard receiver since 2014. AJ Brown last one was Jeremy Macklin and first time for a ten Jeremy double Macklin double yeah. digit sacks for the first time since 2014. <clears throat> so. um and ja, or, and uh, Hassan Reddick has 10 and a half right now. Um, just a really, really awesome team. Um, and, and they're playing as good a football as anybody. And Jalen Hurts is is a massive reason why. 27, or, or was it 27 touchdowns? Um, or is it, no, is it 30? How many touchdowns? Because he has 22 passing and 10 rushing. So 32 touchdowns on the year for Jalen Hurts to three interceptions, 680 rushing yards, uh, and just a hair over 3,200. So he's at 3,800 total yards and 32 touchdowns, only three giveaways. I, I just, it doesn't get, football doesn't get played better than the way that the Eagles have played over the last three weeks. Do you, as an Eagles fan, appreciate that for what it is in the regular season? Or are you scared shitless that it's going to be only the regular season? Of course, I'm scared shitless that it's only going to be the regular season. Like, of course. But I can also sit here and be like, what Jalen Hurts is doing and what this team is doing is oh, unbelievable. The, yeah. the fun that they have. Um, I'm not even an Eagles fan. 
And look, there's a lot of things that boil down to like the fourth and seven touchdown pass, right? To Devontae Smith, unbelievable throw from Jalen Hurts. He's definitely taken his mechanics from Russell Wilson and the way he throws the deep ball. Um, thinking early Russell Wilson, the way he lay, he's layering the football on these 30, 40 yard balls down downfield, putting it in the perfect space is ridiculous. But that, that was a fourth and seven when you're only up seven, nothing at that point. Right. And if you don't get it, you're giving the Giants the ball back at midfield in the first quarter. That's a ballsy call. Um, and some people say, hey, look, it worked out. Right. But what if it doesn't? What if that play doesn't work out? Or, or what if it was a first down, but then you don't even end up getting it? Or what if you throw it short of the sticks and it's a close play? And you don't get it. Right. All these things are single plays that change the course. It's the butterfly effect that changed the course of the rest of the game. And that part of it concerns me. Um, the other thing. And I know this from covering Jalen Hurts in college and, and watching a lot of his games in college. He struggled in big games. He struggled in SEC championship games. He struggled in college football playoff games. Uh, we know the famous benching at halftime against Georgia and Tua comes in and throws the touchdown pass, right? And, and wins the game for them in overtime. He also came back in the SEC championship game the next year after he was the backup and, and won that SEC championship game against Georgia himself. Yeah. So you hope that he's buried some of those demons, but he looked awful. The worst he looked all year in the playoff game against Tampa Bay last year. So that's the only thing that's starting to creep into my mind is like, look, we clinched a playoff spot. That's awesome. The team's 12 and one. They look amazing. They just got to, they get, if they beat the Cowboys, they're set, but three and one gets you the one seed the rest of the way. I am just, I'm starting to, to irrationally think a little bit in the meantime i'm loving the ride um but now that we're in i want the one seed locked up and then from there it's what does jalen look like in the playoffs because for as good as he's been who knows what the playoffs look like and, and luckily if you get the one seed it runs through philly which will help him but the way his demeanor like i don't know if you guys saw the clip i almost sent it to you yeah the of him him on the bench whole yeah it was receivers are going yeah. off it's aj, AJ brown and like, quez Watkins. like the one dude's doing like the make it rain with his hands and yeah. and jalen's right next yeah. to them like, in there <laughs> and i said i said this on friday's pod you know he had a quote last week um, that he said i'm a, where they said like hey like how do you you know stay pumped like do you let these big wins like after the titans like affect you and he goes i'm emotionless like like a stone wall he's just like i don't have emotions I, I don't I, – that's not – what when I play football, there are no emotions. It's what am I doing next, what happens. And, and it's like an actually well-adjusted kind of viewpoint because he's like, I deal with my shit, but when it comes to football, there's nothing else that matters than what's the next thing I have to do. And sure. he's, he's I do so think you want in. your quarterback to be a robot. No, he, and like he is a, lot. a fucking robot. I'm serious. I'm not, I'm well, not joking around. Out. No, yeah, <laughs> when Jeff was talking about all the receivers are going off, he's sitting there just looking straight ahead, right, and not even not – even, smiling they're up mm -mm. it's just crazy he that's he that's the tom be, brady I, thing man but <laughs> he was like that even back at uh, at oklahoma for sure like i remember one Bama time they too, blew yeah. someone out yeah and he they were like he had that same nick saban kind of approach to the game i think that's the only closest guy where he's just like well these were the facts and we still have these things to work on like that was just after a college huge win he was just like we didn't do everything great. We have some stuff to work on. We'll go work on this week and then we'll come back and play again. Like that. He's like, that's, what's going to happen. I'm just going to stick to what's going on moving forward. And like every play, that's why he's been so efficient. He hasn't turned the ball over. He doesn't get negative. He, he just seems to be always making the right decision. 
And the thing, Jeff, why I think it's better than you think right now, and I know you're worried about how Jalen's going to play, but man, the way the running game is going right now, yeah, like everything, whether, whether it's their running backs, all three of them, you know, uh, Sanders is obviously doing it, but Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott got involved last week or uh, this past weekend. And then Jalen himself has been killing it. The design quarterback runs and he's not taking hits, man. No, he really he isn't. And, and that's one of the best things about him is I, it's very much like early Russell Wilson. And I think in a more, I think he's a better uh, runner than Russ too. Yeah. Like that, he doesn't get yes. hit like Russ, but he's more dynamic than Russ. Like you've, he's, you've also got a better offensive line than true, Russ ever had. For, for sure. And <laughs> yeah. a lot of Russ's scram, like his runs came off of scrambles. Like Jalen always has the option because it's baked into the offense that he can pull it and run. Like mo- the majority of his runs are not scramble. Oh, look, there's an open space. I'm going to go take it. Right. And, and a lot of it's baked into how they run their offense that he always yeah. has the option to do that. Um, and, I mean, se- seven carries for 77 yards and the touchdown. He He's become like a blend of Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, right? Right, Which is a pretty terrifying thought when you're thinking about what a quarterback can do because he really is – he's so locked in all the time. But he also does have fun. Like when he drops a dime on somebody, like he's going to flex on you. Like he's not afraid to do that and to celebrate and to, to give his, his roar and to flex and do his whole thing. But it's all business with him. And what I love is it's funny that he's the more mature one, uh, at least on the outside, than like Sirianni, who Sirianni is running down the sidelines like, oh, like after a big touchdown pass, like freaking out, which embodies the Philly fan. But then we have this calm, steady hand at quarterback the whole time. Yeah. Um, let me ask you guys both this, because I'm biased and I'm probably more biased to the negative side. After everything we've seen this year, both sides of the ball, quarterbacks and all. Eagles matched up against any team, right? Kansas City, Buffalo, any team in the NFL, Cincinnati, Dallas, whoever. Are the Eagles favored in all those games? Do you think the Eagles are a yeah. better team than all of those teams flat out? I do. I think On a the neutral best field? Team in the NFL. Neutral field. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. I think they're favored in, in each one of those games. Their I, defense I think that, is doing so well. Their turnover margin's huge, and they're running the ball well. The, the, that's going to do really well in the playoffs, and I, I think, think they're going to kill it. I think you'd be surprised at what the spread might be if it was Eagles-Bills. The two I think would come close would be uh, Eagles-Chiefs or Eagles-Niners, which I think would be yeah. closer than the Bills. I, I And I said this when Scotty and I, we were on a couple weeks ago, whatever, but like I am both super excited and horrified at the idea of the Eagles and Niners playing. Like I think that game with the defense that the Niners have it's right gonna now. It's going to tear us apart, skill, guys. Yeah, it is. Because um, the last time they played, it was like a week two game. Yeah. And that was not – that was a that was – a te- there was a lot get, of tension well, there. In that game, that, that it was Jalen's deep ball that didn't do anything. Yeah, well, like, remember and that's it, what won us the game. But I was gonna say, well, remember that game? He threw deep balls, but Devonte had stepped out and stepped yeah. came back in, and and they they got him on that. Yeah, but he didn't have AJ um, Brown, so. But he well, and that's honestly the biggest difference maker, man, because Devonte's taken another step, uh, but it's AJ Brown because it's just AJ. He's such a difference maker, and yeah, it, it's just wild because you even look back on this Eagles game and they didn't play perfect, but they're playing as close to perfect as you can, and they're still just. And stay healthy. Teams. That's huge. Well, the offense, I mean, it all comes back to what do I always tell you guys when we talk about this? And I say, I said it week one when we were doing, and I said it when we were giving our picks for the year and doing our preview, right? 
we all fall in love with the shiny new additions of wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks and all this stuff. And not that quarterback's obviously the most important singular position, but where is football always run? One, the offensive and defensive line, always. And the Eagles have the best offensive line, and they are absolutely, if not one, in the top three defensive lines in football. And as long as everyone stays healthy, they're going to they're gonna continue to do that. All right. Enough Eagles. I'm sure anyone who's anyone listening who hates the Eagles is like, dude, shut the fuck up. We get it. Um, <laughs> you two are probably both thinking that too. Uh, Jags, Titans, and Ravens, Steelers. I don't think there's a whole lot to take away from this. We alluded to the Ravens, Steelers thing. Like, it was an ugly AFC North game. Kenny Pickett gets knocked out in the first quarter with a concussion. Uh, Literally. And then, and then Tyler Huntley also gets knocked out of this game with a concussion. So, um, we ended up having Mitch Trubisky and Anthony Brown, the Steelers with a late touchdown. Um, but there wasn't a whole lot competitive or close with either of these ga- uh, with that game. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the Jags, though, because what's crazy is the Jags are only two games back of the Titans and they play again this year in week 18. Um, Tennessee now three games in a row. They fire their GM, which I thought was amazing. After, <laughs> that was after- hilarious. After AJ Brown dogs them. <laughs> Yeah, after A.J. Brown just absolutely destroys them. Um, they've lost four out of their last six. Uh, their last two wins come well, against came against Green Bay and Denver, and they have the Chargers, the Texans, the Cowboys, and the Jaguars to wrap up. Can the Jags sneak away, sneak into this, and steal this division if they continue to play as good a football? I mean, they have to play the Cowboys this week, which is a must-win for them, but... Yeah. Dude, I, I trust think... I- I got I got to hop in here, Scotty. Check this out. Trevor Lawrence since week nine, uh oh, seventy two percent of his completion percentage, thirteen hundred yards, ten touchdowns, zero interceptions. He has been killing it. Doug Peterson is finally getting this guy going. One of their defensive players last week said um, he basically didn't have a rookie year because he was co- uh, uh, coached under Urban Meyer, and you're seeing that. Like Doug Peterson is having such a great effect with such a great talent. I think they're finally getting into form. I like the Jags, man. I think they're going to finish strong. I don't know if they're going to necessarily get in the playoffs, but I do think they have a chance to beat Tennessee. Like, I think they're definitely uh, what, I mean, obviously what we've seen from Tennessee recently, but like uh, they, they, or I'm sorry, they beat Tennessee. Who do they have next week? Uh, they, have, they have Dallas. That was it. Then it's I think at they even Jets. Have a chance. It's at Jets, uh, at Houston and home against Tennessee. The Titans could drop a couple games left on their schedule too, which means that like we could have like a seven and 10 win team here, potentially win, especially considering that these teams then play again in week 18 and that game could end up deciding the division if they end up, you know, but, but Tennessee has a two game lead. So look, Jacksonville has to win out basically for that to happen. Um, (laughs) But I'm with you. Like that's, I believe I wanted to talk about this game. Like, Trevor Lawrence had the best day of any quarterback in the NFL yesterday. Like, and and, Evans, and that was with getting hurt in the yeah, middle of it. And, and and like, what he finished with it was I'm pulling up the box score here now because 368 and three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, 30 of crazy. 42, 368, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, spreading the ball around too. Um, Evan Ingram having a monster day. Eleven yeah. catches, 160 yards. Uh, don't touchdowns. remind me. Zay Forty-two Jones, points from a tight end. Get out of here. Christian Kirk, <laughs> Jamal Agnew. Um, I mean, he had, he had seven different wide receivers catch a pass in this game. Uh, I I love what Dougie P's doing here. If they can finish with seven and, at seven and ten, that's a monstrous 
monstrous, it's, essentially rookie year for Trevor Lawrence. It's the it's the same story as the Jets and and the Lions really is way overachieving. Like you're a year ahead of of your your game plan, right? Your rebuild. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, those are three teams that have been in a rebuild for the better part of the last decade. Uh, and so now we're starting to see some of some of this come to fruition a little bit. Um, and the Bengals were even before this, like classic at that. It was just like, get the mediocre quarterback. We don't really care. Make the playoffs. Great. If not, whatever. Uh, and now they they fall in a place where they get Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase build up that defense in there. They're a really good team now. So, I mean, maybe that's, that's something we see in too, the next right? couple of like, years. Like they're yeah. even more young than I think the jets are like the jets and their younger players. Like we say this about defensive rookie defensive linemen all the time. It usually takes a, like a couple of years before they become that elite version and, of themselves. And this was the a first week we saw Travion or Trayvon Walker have a really good game too. Yeah. And, and he's going to end up being really, really good. Right. So like the immediate impact that like sauce Gardner had and Garrett Wilson had the Jags didn't have that, but they're still going to have a good, you know, draft position next year, more, more than likely if they end up sneaking into the playoffs, then, you know, who knows, um, but they're still going to have a good chance to go out and add more pieces. And I think what we're seeing too, is it's like, look, the best wide receiver option for the Jacksonville right now is Christian Kirk and Christian Kirk's a nice player. But Zay Jones not, too, though. but but like that's what I mean. Like Zay Jones was out of the league two years ago, and, and Christian Kirk was like the number two or three option in Arizona for a couple of years. They bring those guys into Jacksonville, and they've won five games with a chance to get up to seven and ten, and maybe even find their way into the playoffs. That's that's crazy. It's that, huge that Trevor Lawrence is elevating them to that with that offensive line, um, with no real consistent running game. That's huge. That is really, really big. And I think yeah. that can attract other free agents um, and hopefully give them a chance to continue to get better. But I, I, as someone who loved Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, I loved watching him play and I, I love to see him succeed in Jacksonville. Uh, all right. And we'll take a quick break here before we do a quick note that came across as we were uh, doing the pod Cowboys add veteran wide receiver T.Y. Hilton. Oh, whoa which I think effectively will take them out of the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes. Wow. Dis despite Jerry Jones after the game yesterday saying, we are not out of the OBJ sweepstakes. And you can put an exclamation mark on that is what he said to the press. Uh, but no, uh, T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> what a surprise. We, he doesn't know what he's talking about. T.Y. Hilton uh, comes out of semi-retirement. Wow. I mean, I guess he never officially yeah. retired, but uh, hasn't played. He will be added to the uh, Cowboys. He'll he'll Good run one him. go route, and his his both his hamstrings will rip, and that'll be the end we see of uh, the last we see of T.Y. Hilton. But uh, we'll take a quick break. We have a few more games to get to, uh, and we'll get everybody on their way to the rest of the week. All right, we got the late window from yesterday. Uh, not a whole lot to write home about here. Um, some Speak injury news, some injury news, and some <laughs> other things here too. Uh, we alluded to this one earlier. Uh, Chiefs Broncos. Chiefs get off to a twenty-seven to nothing lead in the first half. Broncos sneak back, score a couple of touchdowns, try to keep it close. Um, I'll say this. It, it did feel like the Broncos might actually find a way to come back and win this game at some point. Um, I was hoping then, they would. But then you remember that uh, that Patrick Mahomes is on the other side there and Patrick Mahomes is fucking incredible. Um, but the defense for Kansas City has looked a little shaky over the last couple of weeks. Um, Mahomes continuing to do crazy things. The touchdown pass to McKinnon 
Um, the little underhand flick. The um, no look. Yeah. The bocce ball throw was just yeah. one of the coolest fucking throws. It's I, unbelievable I just, what he does. Like, because I think anybody who's thrown a football has thrown a football that way where you try to get the spiral, but you yeah. do it underhand and you do it yeah, like yeah. a reverse flick. And he did that in an NFL game. Yeah, like rugby style. For a 50-yard touchdown. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 funny you say this guy. It's like how I learned how to throw a ball first when I was growing up. Yeah. Was like yeah the rugby, way. the like, yeah. yeah. But yeah. you do it. But, but you do underhand, you like give it a flick. It, and, and it's just, dude, what a cool thing to see him just playing ball and like having fun. And clearly like the game, you can tell this happens to anyone that's this good at something. It slows down for them. They, they just feel comfortable in like a crazy position where like giant men are running at them to take their heads off. And they're like, Oh, check this out. And just like, you know, do a flick. it's, he's so cool, man. But um, that's, so I mean, good. we, we do, I do this comparison all the time on the podcast. It's like watching Steph Curry play it basketball. Yeah, like no, there's I mean, no, that... there's no imaginable way that any human could do these athletic feats with their body and, and the way that they do it so athletically. And it's like, and then you see it happen. It's like, how can you top that? Well, there you go. Well, and <laughs> he goes both, out there and tops it. And they're both so unique to their own skill set, right? Like no one has shot threes and done what Steph can do the way Steph does it. He's so unique and special in what he does. And same thing with Mahomes. We've seen quarterbacks be absolutely dominant in the NFL. We've never seen anybody do the shit that Mahomes does. And, and they're both so likable on a national scale. Like, they really are like it's crazy that and at the same time we have two of these athletes that are so similar um, in their respective sports. But um, I do want to touch on to uh, Russell Wilson nasty hit at the goal line um, as he was. I mean, look, say what you will about Russ. He's been terrible this year. Uh, we all know that um, he was going all out for that touchdown at the end of the game. He was going all out to try to do whatever he could to win the game um, and I was just, I was impressed. And that play, I saw him take off and I saw the sea of red that he was running headfirst into. And I thought, please just don't get hurt. Um, smash his head twice into, die. into the ground. <laughs> um, he had a, what are those, what are those yeah. called? The, the hemo, is it a hemo something that or a, whatever the, he had a big lump hematoma. on his head. Hematoma. Thank you. Um, on, on his forehead there from right where he smashed his head into the ground. Um, that was a scary, uh, he was play. seeing stars for yeah, sure. He, he was. And the fact that he never went into the locker room, I thought was weird. I mean, they clearly pulled him and said, Hey, you're not coming back into this game. Um, it, it's very Russell Wilson too, to be like, Hey, you just had a vicious head injury. And he still is like, yeah, no, but I have to stay on the sideline for the team. Um, mm. that kind of fits into it. Uh, but what also sucks aside from obviously just his health, which is the first and foremost thing he was actually playing pretty well in this game. Um, this was the, the best game of the year for by sure. Far, by yeah. far. Um, um, so Vito, I'll let you, well. yeah, I was going to say Vito, I want you to get your, your, your Broncos thoughts in there too. Obviously it's a tough loss, but. It, it was tough because we had hope for the first time in a long time. Well, uh, I got a bone to pick with you, your offense, by the way. That's fine, dude. J fucking hop in line, Scotty. I, I think you got some Broncos fans in front of you. All right. <laughs> so here's, here's the problem, uh, you know, with our offense has always been, we said, this year, Russell's playing terrible. Then he comes out and he looks good. My biggest criticism of his has probably been he thinks he can run and do a lot more on the ground than he can. And he's gets he's getting caught by defensive linemen. He's making terrible decisions in his movement. And this was the first game where I was like, oh my God, he's moving so much better. Like it just 
stepped up through the pocket and wanted to go take off. He was much more efficient. I mean, he, he ran the ball pretty well in a couple of carries. He was throwing well. He had three touchdowns. Um, he, he just seemed to actually I don't know, get the ball moving. We ran the ball decently well. Also, weird to see Marlon Mack now, like, contributing on the Broncos, but that's been <laughs> Yeah, good. that touchdown catch and run was sick. This, yeah. this is a second team this year, too. He was on the Niners yeah. for a spell. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, no, it's, it's, it seemed like we were getting our stuff together. Defensively, this is a weird game for us. Um, we, we have not – I don't think we've given up 27 points in a, in a game, let alone a first half. Like we, um, we just came out flat defensively and uh, you know, Sertan ended up having a pick. Josie Jewell played a great game, but the, the second pick by Josie Jewell yeah. was a ridiculous play. He, uh, he's down in it. So we have a good team, but the thing is, is that like now it's all, we hope Russell's okay. And, and hopefully um, I want to see him finish the season out playing like this to give us hope for next year. And if he doesn't, it, that'll change this off season dramatically. If we can yeah. really say it just takes a season sometimes and he turns back into himself a little bit. So I got to say this gave me more hope. This was like the most positive game I've watched all year. And even though it was a loss, like for, for what I need to see from Russell. Yeah. I, um, Jerry Judy has a big gay, big day, uh, 80, mm-hmm. uh, eight catches, 73 yards, three touchdowns. Um, I just got to say this. I think Jerry Judy is one of the most unlikable players in the NFL right now. Um, aside from the off the field stuff for him, which if, if those reports are true um, and and the trial and everything he has coming up will likely uh, shorten his NFL career, probably quicker than he thinks. Um, I haven't heard an update on that since the summer. So maybe more information came out, but um, another domestic assault, you know, domestic violence guy, uh, the way he threw that temper tantrum coming off the field and shouldering the ref. Have you ever seen a player intentionally make contact with an official and not have it get flagged? Um, that's, I feel like- that shocked me that there was no flag. And I don't know, just the bitching and whining from him all year. And I get it. Russ has sucked, but I, I'm out on Jerry Judy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I give these guys a lot of leeway because I'm not in their shoes. Like, if I was playing a game, I'd probably do some dumb things at some point, too, yeah, if I'm that fair. frustrated. But but at the same time, it doesn't it doesn't mean that it'd be right. Like, it doesn't make it right. It's just I think it's everyone makes mistakes. and That's true. Um, I, I don't know. I think that the off-the-field stuff, like, once that is resolved, that that's a whole nother, like, level of seriousness. This seems like, to your point, more of a kid. And I feel like the ref – I'm, to your point, I've never seen a contact like this on the sideline where it wasn't like a lot of players are pushing and shoving, moving around. And like sometimes someone, a ref grabs someone and they think it's another player and they like swipe their arm away. Or, you yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes that happens. But I've like, even seen that flag before. Yeah, exactly. To your point, like even little stuff usually. So I've never seen something this blatant, not I've seen worse contact, but I haven't seen contact this isolated from everything else. Yeah. And, and it was him off. taking his helmet off, which is already something that is like a gray area, but you're not supposed to do him right. walking 10 yards, screaming at the official and then bumping into the official. And maybe, who knows, maybe he, the, the, the ref like fucked up royally. And he's like, look, I'm you're right. And I'm just not going to flag you. Yeah. You're allowed to be this upset. Who knows? Um, I don't know for a dude, which is interesting because he was so nasty in college. Um, and we've seen glimpses of it. This is definitely his best day. Um, as, as a pro, but I don't know. <laughs> of just... course it is. Of course it is, because I played against him in fantasy. <laughs> the game I, I need to win. Wait, I got Justin Jefferson's this guy. Best, 
best Jerry player Judy. that. So, I mean, so. get out of here. Um, no, you didn't. Justin uh, Jefferson scored 50 plus. Jerry two, Judy having a career, career day. Three touchdowns. Get career out of here. High, 200, he broke the Vikings record for receiving yards. For in yardage. Game. Yeah, you get out. Um, you bump the official. You get three touchdowns. Get out of here, Judy. I'm done with you. Um, I do want to touch on this with Kansas City. So, Jarek McKinnon, he has a huge day. Former Niner. Former Niner. Um, he also had – he was the one on the receiving end of that uh, Mahomes crazy touchdown. Um, I brought this up on Friday's pod. This is what Andy Reid does better than anybody else, which is find these guys, these little, these little playmakers. Like, you can't even call them running back receivers because he had seven catches for 112 yards and two touchdowns, six carries for 22 yards. They didn't really use him in the running game. Um, he was doubled in overall carries for, by Pacheco, um, but they find him. And it was it was what Darren Williams was that the one because they had the two Williams running backs a couple years ago, or Damian? No, it was Damian uh, Williams. Damian. Damian Don't Williams. Even with that, uh, had the monster game in the Super me. Bowl. Sorry, um, but they find guys like this every year, and it seems like Jarek McKinnon is like he's kind of like that second fiddle piece. To Travis Kelsey, uh, Juju comes. Was this the first game that Juju was back? By the way, because I've been, th- I was thinking about that this week, and mm, I was like, man, yes, I, I, I haven't seen so. Juju since that awful concussion. Yeah, um, he is a big day. <laughs> Nine catches, seventy-four yards, and the touchdown. Um, but that's a that's a like a decent little three-headed monster when you realize that um, Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. You know, yeah. But I just don't know how Andy Reid constantly finds these little these little playmaker guys that end up having monster days for them when they need them most. So keep an eye on Jarek McKinnon. Uh, not to toot my own horn, I did pick him up in fantasy a couple weeks ago. Kind of knew this was coming, but you know. But no one cares about my fantasy team. No one cares. Uh, we'll talk about Scotty's Niners here. Big win. Brock Purdy uh, blows Dude. out Tom Brady in the Bucks, thirty-five to seven. Um, albeit despite the, uh, the the scary injury there with Debo Samuel. Uh, official reports out of the Niners saying MCL sprain and a uh, high ankle sprain, but they expect him to return by the end of the regular season, which is really good. The fact that they said he'll return for the regular season is a good sign for the Niners um, as the Niners look continually look terrifying. Um, look, the Niners defense is sick, but – they also haven't been playing, but they also haven't been playing bangers of offensive teams here in the last couple of weeks. Um, and look, the, the the team's really good, but Miami. Tom, <laughs> okay, Miami, Miami. I'll, I'll give you Miami, but it's overall right. They lose the game to Kansas City where they give up forty four. They give up twenty eight to Atlanta, uh, but then it's the Rams, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Saints, and now Tampa Bay. Uh, Yes, the Miami win, crazy impressive for them, and the way that they shut down that team was big. But they also gave up 28 points to the Falcons, right? So um, I think there's a middle ground. I look, I'm, I think the Niners – And we lost the best... to the Broncos. Well, yeah, but I'm not counting that game. That was the 11-10 to 10 game. That was weird as shit. Um, I, the Niners are the best defense in football. I, I, I will hand, wholeheartedly agree with you on that, Scotty. Um, but, again, I, I just – I don't know how much to read in, to whatnot. I mean – and Brock Purdy looked good. I guess I don't know. I'm not trying to rain on anyone's break. Is with the skilled positions they have, the offensive lines playing better. Um, I'm curious as to what their sees like what their ceiling genuinely is. Yeah, you and me both, brother. <laughs> because I think this could be, you know, an NFC Championship, if not beyond team. 
on the one hand. On the other, it's another long-term injury that plagues us. We've had Trey Lance, who's gone out for the year. We've had Jimmy Garoppolo, who's gone out for the year. Now Debo Samuel, who's been uh, injured for part of the year so far, uh, is is back on on the uh, the injured list and, and is going to miss at least three weeks and, and probably five to six. Bosa's been out. Uh, you know, Eric Armstead's been out on defense. Uh, uh, Dre Greenlaw's been out. Uh, so all of these injuries pile up. Eli Mitchell's out for the rest of the year too. So all these injuries piling up, we can scarcely afford another one. I, I mean, scarcely because that's that's the margin between how good this team can be and how unsuccessful this team can be, right? And look, Brock Purdy's playing out of his mind the last two games and i hope it continues i really do because i i love the story i love i love the fact that we drafted him because we drafted him last he was mr irrelevant in the draft last season but you jeff and i and and, and Vito too we've talked about him last season all year when iowa state or the last couple of seasons when iowa state has been really good uh so so he's fun to watch uh and a really good quarterback really cerebral as, as well and i think he fits in really well with the offense but the injury thing, like we cannot afford another big injury. We, we can't, that is, that is, we're treading a really fine line. Uh, and I think we need to stay healthy the rest of the year. I, uh, man, I, I gotta say, I'm, I loved this kid. I loved this kid. His post game interview. Uh, dude, I watched the whole thing. I'm, I'm he, this he close to getting a Brock Purdy Jersey. I'm this dude, close. You should. He, Get the get the 252, whatever the number pick he was. Get the Mr. Irrelevant jersey. That's <laughs> the one to get, too. Uh, seriously, man, he not only does he go out there and, and play well, but his demeanor after they – everyone, every reporter was like, what did it mean? You just took down Tom Brady, whatever, and, and he wasn't like, yeah, you know, that was cool, whatever. The cool thing he Another said was like, game. oh, that – no, he's, well, he said that, like, the coolest part about it was that Tom Brady acknowledged that, like, his play was good. And, like – he said beside, but it wasn't about beating him. He was like, the only thing it made me think is like, Hey, this guy can come back from anything down. Nothing. You know, we got to keep going. We can't give up. And he, it wasn't fake. Like, you can tell this genuine guy who like didn't have these like smile and then kind of like go to a different answer that was prepackaged, you know, from the media department that you're supposed to say, he really gave like good answers. He had that a little bit, not, not the same, but a little bit of that Jalen Hurts. It's like, no, just focus on what's what's important. And, like, I love his demeanor, man. I really think that he's a good guy. Now, is I, he going to, you know, lead you to a Super Bowl? Who who knows? Uh, well, Rich Eisen said on his podcast, like, are we going to be sitting here talking about Steve Young, Joe Montana, and Brock Purdy? Well, in, and in what's crazy is what's crazy <laughs> is you get down to it. Like, Brock Purdy can lead you there. And, it, it, like, look, if you get there to the NFC Championship game, that's when the timeline for Jimmy Garoppolo gets a little gray. Like, can he come back? Sure. Do you want to put Jimmy in rusty or do you want to keep rolling with the guy that got you there? Brock Purdy. Yeah. So here's the thing. I love the Brock Purdy story and he was a great player at Iowa state. He can be real frisky and fun. Scotty, you remember what happened in 2018, right? Yeah. What, what was Nick Mullins first start? Do you remember what it looked like? Yeah, he threw for over 300 yards. Yeah, he did. He threw for how many? I think it was like three touchdowns. Three zero, touchdowns. Zero, zero picks at a monster yep. game. Do you remember what the rest of that that stretch looked like for yeah, Nick Mullins? Yeah, I do. I think he three was 0-4. And, 
yeah, three and five as a starter in 2019 or 2018, uh, 64% completions, 285 yards a game. That was good. Uh, less than two touchdowns per game. Uh, oh, he averaged the same amount of touchdowns as he did interceptions. I think he had 13 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, uh, 51 QBR, um, 284 yards per game, which is good, but there were some outlier performances there. And that first game with Nick Mullins was amazing. And this is what Kyle Shanahan does with backup quarterbacks. It's incredible. The fact that with backup quarterbacks and rookie backup quarterbacks, that Kyle Shanahan gets these 500, you know, career average with backup quarterbacks is amazing. Now I'll say this too. There is better skill talent on this San Francisco team than was on those San Francisco teams. This defense is significantly better on this team than it was on the 2018 and 2019 teams. But I say this just as your friend, because I care about you. Let's just pump the brakes on Brock Purdy a little bit. I love it. I love it. I get it. I love the aggressive downfield throws. I saw the stat already. I think it was like throws of 30 yards or more outside the numbers. In yesterday's game, Brock Purdy had three. In the last two seasons combined for Jimmy G, he has zero. So he is pressing, pushing the ball downfield. He made a great throw, even if it was a little underthrown, to Christian McCaffrey, who made one of the craziest plays to get both of his feet in bounds a second time after bobbling the ball the first time. But I just say this in that the defense is no question Super Bowl caliber. The skill position is Super Bowl caliber. I think the offensive line is probably in the top 10 in the league, maybe not quite top five because the right side uh, is a little better. McGlinchey out of Warrington, PA, has got to get his act together. He's got you, that right He's side is a sieve. But I, I, it does come down to will Brock Purdy, a borderline undrafted rookie, he was technically drafted. Um, but as close as you can be to so, not being drafted, can he do enough to actually win a Super so, Bowl for you exactly. or get you the AFC ch- NFC championship game? And I just have a hard time buying into that as of now. Maybe he plays lights out for the last four games of the season and proves me wrong. But I'm just saying let's pump the brakes. But, but even bit. still, that and that's what I mean is, is even with the story and everything, if all of that continues with Brock Purdy, right? Say a, a guy like Trent Williams goes down again, or Christian McCaffrey goes down again, or Kittle. That's where I'm like, yeah. See, those are the guys that are keeping you afloat. Yeah, afloat, so, making you look good. Yeah, uh, or play well, even uh, not just look good. And, and that's where I'm like, we are teetering on a very fine line, folks. And the defense keeps you in every single game. The defense will help keep you in every single game barring maybe Philadelphia, but even still the Eagles could go up against that defense and could struggle. Right. So, you know, I, I think, I think they're still going to win the division and I think they're still going to be there in the playoffs. And I think Brock Purdy might even win you a playoff game, but the second and- they get into a matchup where they have to put up some points, you know, if they play Minnesota in the second round of the playoffs, you know, like, Oh, I want that. Oh, give me that. And I think the defense could could single-handedly get you to the NFC Championship oh. game, but it, would he be able to do enough to beat a team like Philly or Dallas if either one of those teams are rolling? I don't think so. I, I just I just don't. But I love the story. We, and if we he shall does, see. If he does, it's the great. If they win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, it's the best. It's the Disney better story, than Nick literally. Foles. I don't yeah. think so. Because it's better than Nick Foles because he was literally, he was Mr. Irrelevant. Like in a Disney story, that's literally what they would have. 
would be the player drafted last, like last. But I'll tell you what, there's going to be a huge test this coming week against a team that we should talk about next, the Seattle Seahawks. Well, Uh, I don't know how much of a test that's going to be, though, Scotty, because the Seahawks kind of look like shit. Uh, Oh, what a surprise. The thing thing with Seattle. Bing, bang, bong. (laughs) The thing that has helped Geno Smith look good. Look, we are 13 games into the season, and it took till game 13 for Geno Smith to look bad. Like, not just like, oh, he had an off game, but to look like bad in a game. And it took 13 games. Like, I I will give Geno Smith the benefit of the doubt that he's allowed to have a bad game. But a big part of this offense was the running game. And their number one and number two running backs on their depth chart were both hurt and didn't play in this game in Kenneth Walker and DJ Dallas. And it was Travis Homer, who's a nice player. He's a great special teamer. He's a good third down back that you can throw in there. But Seattle looked bad in this game. And honestly, more importantly to me, the Panthers looked pretty fucking good. And the Panthers might fuck around and win the NFC South. They are a game behind. Carol I hope they against do against the Packers or against uh, the Buccaneers. And they already beat Tampa Bay once this year. Zach Parker, would it be the first time that a team who's fired their coach midseason wins a division to get into the playoffs? Well, the you know. Raiders, the Raiders got in last year with Basaccia, right? Mm-hmm. But they didn't win the division. That's a good question. Ooh. That is a good question. Uh, but while Zach Parker's looking that up, let me run through some Carolina stuff here real quick. Uh, my remaining four games, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. They've already beaten Tampa Bay once this year. They've already beaten New Orleans once this year. Uh, Pittsburgh, if it's Mitch Trubisky starting this week, is a winnable game for the Panthers with the way this defense is playing. If the Panthers go three and one to close out, including a win at Tampa Bay, if the only game they lose is against Detroit, <laughs> your Carolina Panthers are in the 2022 postseason as the NFC champions, uh, NFC South champions. Um, Steve Wilkes has done an unbelievable job with this team filling in for uh, Matt Rule. They are four and four since firing uh, Matt Rule after the one in five start. Uh, with wins over Tampa Bay, Atlanta, Denver, and Seattle. And that game against Baltimore was a winnable game too. So uh, Sam Darnold, not doing a ton, but the running game's working and he's doing enough for them to win games. Uh, and, and Seattle. That's the best game I've ever seen Sam Darnold play uh, in the NFL. His rookie year, he had some games throwing the ball that were better than this. But in terms of like complete game, competitive back and forth against a pretty good team. Um it was an impressive win. And what we're seeing with Seattle right now is a team that is really, really young, uh, that is banking on a, a really impressive performance, uh, a, a, a kind of nowhere renaissance for Geno Smith. Um, that look, Geno had a bad game. He had no running game to support him. And the defense let, let up a little bit. Um, Sam Darnold had a, a huge, like 30 yard run at one point in this game. Uh, the Panthers are playing good all around football and defensively. Like I was, I was pretty high on them at one point, but what's crazy is um, they're four and three since that game against Tampa Bay with that. They won 21 to three. They're four and three. This, this Panthers team, um, they look like the best team in the NFC South. I'll tell you that. Uh, And as long as they can do their jobs against Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay and the saints, they're going to be in the playoffs. They got to finish three and one, which is a tall task. Uh, 
but it's right there for them if they want it. Yeah, but you know what? The, the strength of that defense has been the run defense, surprisingly. Uh, and then and then they've got a, a, a pretty decent secondary as well. Uh, um, I'm not counting them out by any means. I mean, those are of those four. I think they're all winnable games, and and you go three and one, like you said, Jeff. I think I think they're right there, and I think they have to know more importantly that it that it is right there. Uh, because you know they're gonna have to play the Falcons in Tampa Bay too, and at that point Tampa Bay is gonna be like, "Look, boys, we got Tom Brady. We can't not make the playoffs." Yeah, but I don't know. I because that's what I was gonna say about the Niners, where it's like the Niners' defense looks amazing, but Tampa Bay has been so bad offensively, and really they continue have. to get worse and worse. So like I, the Panthers, I just think I don't know if the Bucks can do anything more because it's not all on Brady. Most of it's not on Brady. Yeah. Um, and the Panthers defense is playing really, really good. All those young, remember that year was it 2019 that they drafted all defensive players yeah. in the draft? Like those you guys are starting Matos, to come who's who's JC one of the Horn? leading tacklers on the team. JC Horn, too. Yeah. JC Horn almost had two. He had one pick, almost had a second. Uh Jeremy Chin has been amazing. Derek Brown's finally coming into his own. Like they have some legitimate pieces there. Uh, we'll see mm. where it goes. All right. We get to get to the Sunday night game. Dolphins, Chargers. Uh, big win for the Chargers. But I will say this, as someone who was a hesitant, uh, hesitant to anoint Tua as this like otherworldly, like all the stats and everything else kind of guy, like I often talked most of the year about how you got to respect the numbers, Tua is doing a lot, but it was all born out of a perfect situation. He can excel, not just be good, like he can excel to high levels with this, with a good situation around him. But the second that everything's gone, we start to lose that from Tua and that's exactly what we saw last night uh, in the last couple weeks now where the Chargers had a great game plan. Um, ben Solak, if you don't follow him on social media, on Twitter, is a phenomenal follower, works for uh, follow. He works for the ringer. Um, he had brought up a really good point, which is that like the last couple weeks the and when the Dolphins have struggled, particularly uh, during the stretch too, when Tua was out and it was Skylar Thompson, what a lot of teams are doing is they were dropping their corners down and uh, basically playing press man the entire time with Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill and telling their corners to be as physical as possible with those two guys. Challenge them off the line and force Tua to make really big throws, knowing that you're probably going to get beat once or twice, that one of your guys is going to fall down and, Tua, and, and Tyreek's going to have a walk-in touchdown, which happened, but challenging those guys at the line of scrimmage forces Tua to make a much tighter throw and he did not do that last night or the week before against San Francisco. And that's exactly what I was going to say is that's what the Niners game plan was. And we saw how the the pressure on the pass rush uh, was, was able to uh, was able to limit what what two could do in the pocket. And then, you know, like we, we saw the same thing. Tyreek got his his sneak behind the secondary and, and for a long touchdown. Uh, that Tua hit, but if you if you can get consistent pressure on Tua, I think that's that is the recipe. We talked earlier about what's what's a game plan to beat the Vikings. I think this is the game plan to beat the Dolphins: is consistent, solid, upfront pressure in Tua's face, and, and if you can beat that, then then you're golden against the Dolphins. The other thing that they did though is the Chargers kept. I don't know if you guys saw. So Derwin James was out, right? I mean, they had they had some players Correct. out. Correct. Yeah, they played. They didn't play two safeties deep back, even like over the top. They played like 
I don't know if it, sometimes they were playing one as like a um, like a cover one zone. Almost you have one guy over the middle and then one guy deep over the Just middle. Just playing center or field. Sometimes yeah. they were playing two center field guys, not covering deep like typical safeties. They kind of stayed at twelve to fourteen yards because there were a lot of in cuts and all that stuff. And they were getting they're like, all right, beat us deep, whatever. But like they threw in a lot of those and Tua was looking shorter and you could tell, I mean, at one point he had like three completions out of 12 or something. He was it's, not efficient at yeah. all. He's used to, he's over 70% a year. Like this it's is the, really it's, crazy. It's the shell coverage that like allowed him to have the, one of the lowest passing depth rates all season last year. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and, I, and go on, ahead, on the, I was going to say on the flip side, I, I do want to like talk about Justin Herbert here. Cause if you guys watch that game, the number one takeaway for me was Justin Herbert. Like, absolutely, this guy flat out can play at the most completions he's ever had in a game last night. And he looked like an elite quarterback. I mean, just his movement, his throws. Watching him, you're like, man, yeah, this guy. It was like watching Josh Allen really like last year, the year before. I mean, he's always looked incredible. But I feel like he's playing at a level now with like, um, I mean, having Mike Williams back was huge. I didn't realize how big that was until he was like there making those plays. And it, he was making some special catches too, which is good to see. But man, Herbert looked like he was on another level and and their defense played well. I mean, the Chargers should have won by more. I'll say that. That's like the concern out of this, I think. But like they they really did a great job on offense. And even though they couldn't do it in the red zone, which matters, they need to figure that out. Yeah, Herbert looked like an MVP type candidate. Not Maybe not this year, but like, He's coming on, and, and definitely in future years, he's got to be up there. But the talent with Herbert's ridiculous. Like, yeah, I, I, that's what makes him so special. Like, he he's so good. Um, the offense they run is so so bad. Like, and I saw a, a great tweet last night that said the um, the Dolphins run an offense that looks like that should be for Justin Herbert, and the Chargers run an offense that should be for Tua. <laughs> like, like they they look reversed. Right? It's so because true. The ab- like, and, and part in of the when same I, draft <laughs> when I brought up that that um, stat about Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, right? Herbert has a hundred, almost a hundred more attempts than Burrow, but Burrow only has seventeen yards less, and that's because of where Herbert throws the ball. Like track yeah. his throws, like throughout a game. I've done this a couple times watching Herbert, where I'll track the average depth and I'll just write like how many yards downfield it is, and so many of them are behind the line of scrimmage one to two yards down, he doesn't get the opportunity because of Joe Lombardi's offense to stretch the field. And who was Joe Lombardi? uh, Who was the quarterback for Joe Lombardi for the majority of his career as a play caller and offensive coordinator? Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Who didn't have a fucking arm, who couldn't stretch the ball downfield. So they created this offense that fit him, and they're trying to fit this, you know, this this Lamborghini-type arm, this talent at the quarterback position into a Toyota Prius. Like, you can't the, the put one, a Lamborghini engine into a Prius. It doesn't work. Yeah, so. it's, it's Herbie no, fully loaded. The one touchdown he had, I believe, <laughs> it was it was the whole thing where it was it was the old John Elway play. It was it was from Shanahan, and I think even Collins throw, called it throw out. Throw back. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's a play action fake. You boot out, you plant your foot, and then you load up, and and your wide receiver runs a deep post corner, and you throw it over their head. I mean, that's the kind of plays that he should be running. And to your point, that is not the Joe Lombardi offense. He stole that straight from the Shanahan system. Yeah. Like he is not the right fit for this guy. And, and they knew to look at Shanahan and some other quarterbacks that have, or some other coordinators that have had some legendary quarterbacks that have a deep arm, like Steve Young and him. And like, why not emulate that? I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing something wrong. And clearly 
to your point, if they can get this right with the offense they run and take more shots, I mean, man, if Justin Herbert was on the Dolphins, to your point, could you imagine? Yeah, with those they guys, should have drafted him. Yeah, and they could have, right? The, do- yeah. the Dolphins could have. Um, and, uh, and and you're a hundred, you're hundred percent right, Vito. Like, and and part of it is it's almost like Joe Lombardi's like. Do you remember the John Mulaney bit when he's talking about like the government being cool parents with weed where they're like, oh, we'll give you a yeah. little bit, but just, you know, <laughs> you know, we'd rather you do it here than somewhere else. Right. Like <laughs> that's kind of how like Joe Lombardi is with the deep ball with Herbert. We're like, okay, here's one. Here it go. It's like yeah. parents with Halloween candy. You can have one tonight, but you got to save the rest for later. It's like, yeah. no, let them fucking throw deep. Let them, let them yeah. attack. 30 yards downfield on the outside hashes. Let him go after it with this arm because you have a fucking Lamborghini. So let him be a Lamborghini. It's so frustrating to but watch. To, to Lombardi's then, credit, I think they are like a receiver away because Keenan Allen's old and Mike Williams is. Well, and part, part of it, well, that's their problem because they gave Mike Williams a big old fucking contract yeah, extension right. in the offseason, which I was very much against. But part of your point too there, Vito, which is that this was um, going into last night, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams had played less than a full game together all season. So he's either had one or the other. And so part of it too is, yeah, they didn't have all the weapons to be able to do it, but guess what? Josh Palmer is a really good player. And the couple of times that like both of them are out and Josh, Josh Palmer, Josh Palmer had like a 140 yard game with two touchdowns, like stretch it out. Deandre Carter can run. Let him fucking burn it out. Like, you don't have to just rely on these dump downs to Austin Eckler where he gets tackled two yards short of, you know, the line of scrimmage half the time and then rely on Justin Herbert to make some amazing play for you. Be aggressive, right? Like, what do you have to lose at this point? Which comes back to a lifer in the NFL and Joe Lombardi who doesn't want to lose his job. So he's finding quick, easy ways in L.A. (laughs) Right. To find quick and easy ways. To, to, to build up stats so that he can show the next coaching staff, hey, look, Justin Herbert threw for 5,000 yards under me. I don't know what you're talking about. When in reality, it's preventing them from winning games. And it's so frustrating when you have a dude as talented as Justin Herbert that it gets wasted. And then a game, like you said, Vito, they should have won this game by a lot more than they did. It ended up being oh, yeah. a six-point game when all was said and done. Um, last thing I wanted to add on to it there, because you were talking about the, the shell coverage and the way the safeties were kind of playing lower. That's where Tua loves to throw. In college, mm-hmm. when he was at Alabama, he had those fat, he had Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith and these fast burners. And they'd throw this from like 15 yards to 25 yards downfield. And that middle ground with that layering technique we were talking about with Hertz and Russell Wilson and yeah. Tua, he's the best in the league at doing that. And what I loved is the last two weeks against San Francisco. And now against, we saw it again against the chargers. They said, fine, we'll play one-on-one and risk that one or two times in this game. We're going to get beat by Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle because our guy's just going to fall down and just won't be able to keep up the rest of the time. Because how many touchdowns and big plays of theirs have been in that 15 to 25 yard, that middle ground. It's been so many big plays for them. They cut that off and everything in front of it, and they said, the only way you can beat us is by the deep ball. And finally, we all saw that to his deep ball, his ability to stretch the field, which people criticized. And then there were all the two anon people who clapped back and said, oh, Tua can throw the deep ball. What are you talking about? Look, look at this throw, blah, blah, blah. No, he, he's not consistently good at throwing the deep ball. He's just not. He doesn't have the arm talent to do it the way that Herbert and the way that Mahomes and some of these other guys can. So they attack the middle of the field, which is exactly where Tua loves to throw. And they kicked him out of the, it. Ultimately, screwed him. They had nothing to do offensively. So, 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Big one for the Chargers. The Chargers likely to slide into the playoffs there um, based off of their remaining schedule. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, the Chargers, the Jets, and then either the Ravens or um, Bengals, whoever doesn't win that division, are probably going to be your three teams as wild cards in the uh, AFC playoffs. Uh, before we wrap up, a couple things on the college side. Heisman winner goes to Caleb Williams. It was the right call. He was the best player Deserve in college football. He, he was the best, the best player in college football this year. And I loved what he said too, which was, you know, I'm sitting here with this Heisman. This is great. And I'm looking down at all three of you guys and you're playing in the college football playoff. And he said, I guess you can't win them all. And I, I, I love that attitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he, he brought his entire offensive line to New York, which I thought was awesome. Um, very deserving of that. Uh, which was great. We also had Army Navy over the weekend, which I talked about on Friday. Always a spectacle, always worth watching. It's one of the best things in college football every single year. And, and go if you ever get a chance. It's it's one of the yeah. best. I mean, it was a bucket list thing for me, and I went, uh, I think it was almost six years ago now, just or seven years ago. Phenomenal. Just so, so awesome to be a part of. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of the best sporting events slash college football. I mean, I've I mean, I've worked with people. We always did live stuff from there every year on ESPNU. We did mm -hmm. more this year, too. But um, talking to guys who've covered Super Bowls and college football playoffs and, I mean, everything you can imagine in the football world, and they all, like, literally almost every single person I've talked to who's been there says, like, this is bigger and better than any of those things um, because it's just special. It's just different. And double overtime thriller this year, too. Yeah. And, yeah. and Army yeah. takes the crown. Uh, and, and shout out to Ken Niamatololo, who the winningest coach in Navy history, uh, who was uh, let go after um, 15 years as the head coach at Navy. Uh, a, an amazing run and one of the most admired and uh, respected people in all of college football, because that's a, not an easy job. That's not like taking, you know, some normal job in the American. That's not like taking some normal group of five job. That's a whole nother beast to it. Um, and, and you have to really embrace the military side of it. And you, it, it's just a totally, you have players who go on to, to fight and, and to go across country and, and across the world. And um, it's a hard job and, and he's done. An and he's had a job. handful of draft picks too, uh, let alone like guys who, uh, and who were going over to, to serve after, after their term at the, uh, the Academy is done. So he's had a couple of draft picks, which is a credit to and a testament to, to his coaching ability. And so, yeah, I, to, Great run for him. 100%. Uh, and last thing here, um, thoughts and prayers and um, well wishes to Coach Mike Leach, um, who uh, reports came out last night that he had a heart attack um, as well as uh, multiple seizures, um, might be dealing with some potential brain um, damages as well. Um, one of everybody's favorite in college football, um, I got a chance a few times that he hopped on as a guest host that I got to work with uh, Coach Leach. Um, he is exactly who you think he is based off of everything you see in those videos. Um, I mean, I've spent maybe, you know, six hours max getting a chance to be around him. Um, he's incredibly warm, funny, weird, but amazing guy. Um, and uh, he's obviously going through a battle right now. So uh, everyone's thoughts and prayers and, um, Hopefully coach can pull it out and, and we'll be okay, but um, definitely a scary situation in Starkville right now. So uh, everybody uh, just keep him in your thoughts and, uh, and hopefully uh, 
we get a, a recovery there for uh, for Coach Leach. So, um, anything else from the boys here before we wrap this up? Once, no. twice, week 15 coming up. Go Niners. I'm excited. Uh, Eagles go Broncos, got- go Eagles. Yeah, go Niners, go Broncos, go Eagles. Birds got the uh, the Bears this week. Uh, should be it should be a matter cool. Seahawks. What a showdown on Thursday night. Hey, we know we know Pete Carroll's done it to you before. Quiet, you go. Niners. <laughs> All right. Uh, for the boys, I'm Jeff. We will talk to y'all on Friday. Have a wonderful week. We love you all. Thank you to all of our new listeners who've been joining here. And uh, we'll talk to you guys uh, in a few days. So be well. Take it easy, everybody.